You're listening to A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, a podcast supported by Harvest Partners. For more ways to deepen and challenge your spiritual walk, enroll in Pastor Greg's free online courses. Sign up at Harvest.org. Have you ever heard of the fiery darts of the devil? They're like flaming arrows from hell that he fires at your brain. They arrive as thoughts, temptations, really. Pastor Greg Laurie says it's up to us just how much we ponder the pleasure. You don't have to let that thought into your mind. It sort of knocks at the door of your imagination, and you can say, uh, no way, I'm not thinking about that. Or you say, hey, come right in and make yourself at home. That's up to you. This is the day when the lost are found. majors know that liquids can be adhesive or cohesive. Some liquids stick to other things, while others cling together. If you've broken a mercury thermometer and seen the little beads of mercury ball up together, you've seen cohesion. Well, when impure thoughts come at us, do we let them stick inside our minds, or do we repel them and cling to what we know is right? Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie brings good encouragement from the Lord's Sermon on the Mount. I remember the first time that I was tempted as a Christian. Now before I was a Christian, I don't know if I even thought of temptation as, well, temptation. (laughs) I thought of temptation more as opportunity, right? I mean, why not go for, oh, that looks fun. Oh, I'll try this other thing. Now I'll do this other thing as well. So when I became a Christian, the believers told me, now Greg, watch out, the devil's gonna tempt you. And I'm like, the devil? What do you mean the devil? No, Satan is gonna tempt you. How will I know when I'm being tempted? They said, you'll know. So next, I'm in high school. So this is, you know, 10 years ago. (laughs) And a few more. So I go to class in high school. And and there's this girl. I'd notice this girl. Trust me, she never noticed me. Very pretty girl. Sat toward the front of the class. And so after the class is over, I'm not making this up. This girl comes walking up to me and says, hi, what's your name? And I momentarily forgot my name. I was so stunned by her beauty and her blue eyes. I'm just like, I'm not really sure what my name is. And I have no idea why you're even talking to me. And then, and I was like a brand new Christian. I had my Bible there and I had a little Jesus pin on and, and she's talking to me and, and she says, you know, you're cute. Now I can't believe this is happening. You're cute. And she says, um, you know what? My parents are gone for the weekend. Would you like to come and stay at my house for the weekend? I thought, this is a temptation from the devil. Why did I say that? Because stuff like this never happened to me, trust me. I know it's hard to believe, it just didn't. Now maybe it happens to other people, it never happened to me. And I thought, this beautiful girl has been sent from Satan. So I told her no, I have to know, I want you to know, I said no to this girl. But it, it wasn't that easy, okay? And that brings up a simple point. Temptation comes in attractive packages, right? Satan makes bad stuff look good. He makes wicked things look appealing. He makes deadly things look like they're gonna be the best experience you ever had. He's a liar 
and he'll do whatever he needs to do to pull you down. So everybody gets tempted. But here's something to understand. It's not a sin to be tempted. Did you know that? It's not a sin to be tempted. And I bring that up because temptation comes at the worst times. Like in church. You're sitting here right now and all of a sudden this thought comes to you. Maybe it's an impure thought. Maybe it's a jealous thought. Maybe it's a hateful thought. Maybe it's a prideful thought. But whatever it is, it comes, boom, and you think, I can't believe how twisted I am thinking this in church. Who says you even thought it? Have you ever heard of the fiery darts of the devil? They're like flaming arrows from hell that he fires at your brain. That doesn't mean you're a wicked person, though you are. But what it does mean is that you don't have to let that thought into your mind. It sort of knocks at the door of your imagination and you can say, ah, no way, I'm not thinking about that. Or you say, hey, come right in and make yourself at home. That's up to you. So it's not a sin to be tempted. Let me take it a step further. If you're not being tempted, something's wrong with you spiritually. Why would the devil waste his time on someone that is not a threat to his kingdom? So if you've been coming under spiritual attack lately, that could be an indication that you're on the right track and that you're a threat to the devil. So let's answer the question, where does temptation come from? Now our immediate answer would be, well, the devil, of course. And there's truth to that, but we need to understand we play a key role in our own temptation. Listen, Satan needs our cooperation in this area to give in to temptation. Where there is no desire on my part, there is no temptation. We blame a lot of things on the devil, and rightly so, but we too are responsible. I mean, wouldn't it be great if the devil just took a month off every year? Wouldn't it be great if Satan started taking the month of August off? And I can announce it's just been revealed to me that the devil is gone for August. He, I don't know where he vacations. Uh, we know he likes warm climate, so, but he's gone. No devil for the month of August. You say, oh, that's awesome. You'd still get yourself into trouble. Because we play a role in it. Here's what the Bible says over in James 1.14. Everyone is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and is enticed. And when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. That basically breaks down temptation for you. The five steps of temptation. Number one, the temptation itself. Every one of you is tempted. Every one of you is going to be tempted. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man, which means we all face the same kind of stuff. And then over in 1 Peter, Peter says, don't think it's strange when you go into fiery trials and times of temptation. It happens with all of us. Those temptations come our way. But again, remember, it's not the bait that constitutes temptation, but the bite. Let me repeat that. It's not the bait. It's the bite. So it's dangled in front of you. That's the bait. You don't have to take the bait. But if you take the bite, now you're responsible, bringing you to the second phase. You're under its power and frankly enjoying the experience. James 1.14 says, you're drawn away by your own desires. So it's sort of like the temptation comes to your mind and you say, well, I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to just kind of take it for a test drive, right? 
I'm going to just kind of think it through and what would it be like? And you kind of play it out. And now, now the problem is already in full bloom because now basically you've bit on the hook. You're drawn away and you're enticed. And then ultimately, number four, it gives birth to sin. Verse 15 says, when it's conceived, it gives birth to sin. There's a momentary euphoria in sin. So we need to understand that sin can be fun for a moment. It's sort of like getting the sugar high and then coming down. By the way, if you're a grandparent, here is the role of a grandparent. Pick up your grandkids, number one. Fill them up with sugar, number two. <laughs> Return them quickly to their parents, number three. Job done. You know, there's that sugar high. The kids are they're excited. They're climbing the walls. They're so happy. And then they come to, you know, down. And that's what sin's like. It's like, oh, this is fun. They lied to me. It's actually fun. No, I didn't lie to you. I told you sin is fun. Jumping off the Empire State Building is fun. Until you hit the ground. That little momentary euphoria of sin can be fun. Sometimes it's not even fun, is it? Sometimes you think, oh, this is going to be so amazing. And it's actually not even fun for a few moments. But even when it is, there are the ramifications. First there's the guilt. That is if your conscience is working. Then that dead feeling. And now you're separated from God. And sin has done its work. And it brings forth death. Listen. You're not separated in your relationship from God. But you are separated in your fellowship with God. See if my son sins against me, he doesn't stop being my son. He's just my son sinning against me. When we sin against the Lord, we don't cease to be a son or a daughter of God, but we're a prodigal son or daughter or a disobedient son or daughter. Sort of like when you lose, uh, there's no Wi-Fi. You can't go online. Or there's no cell service because you didn't pay your bill again or whatever it is. But the point is communication is cut off. And so what you want to do is restore communication. And the way that happens is you have to admit your sin, turn from it, and ask God to forgive you. First John 1, 9 says that we will confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's how basically sin works. We like to blame everyone for it except ourselves. But we play a role. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. Hey, everybody, what are you doing this weekend? I'd like to hang out with you at Harvest at Home. What is Harvest at Home? It is a time of worship and Bible study exclusively designed for people that are viewing in from all over the place. So you can be a part of our extended congregation at Harvest at Home. Join us this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, for Harvest at Home at harvest.org. Well, today, Pastor Greg is offering some important insights on how to resist sin in his message, How to Overcome Lust and Protect Your Mind. Let's continue. Now, if you stop and think about the last time you gave into any sin, chances are it started right here. Started right here in your imagination, and then it led to action. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 11.3, I'm afraid that as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds will somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So it's your mind. Starts in your thinking. 
Second uh, Corinthians ten four it says we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We capture our rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So when those thoughts come, it's like yes, you can come right in. No, you are not coming in. You are not welcome here. So let's see what Jesus said now about how to deal with uh, lust and uh, immorality and how to keep our mind clean. Matthew chapter five, verse 27. You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. We'll stop there. So Jesus is not talking about a casual glance here. He's talking to a person who is engaged in a continual act of looking. In this usage, in this context, uh, this is not talking about an incidental or involuntary glance, but an intentional and repeated gazing with the express purpose of lusting. So it's not just, oh wow, look, there's a pretty girl, or oh, there's an attractive guy. No, it's not just that, because you're gonna notice that. No, the difference is, no, there's a pretty girl or I'm gonna go find a pretty girl or an attractive guy with the intention of lusting after them. It's a different thing and this isn't just for men looking lustfully at women. It's also for women looking lustfully at men or men looking lustfully at men and women looking lustfully at women. Just anything outside of God's order. And think of the pornography problem today and how widespread it is. 79% of 18 to 30 year old American men watch internet porn at least once a month. 79%. Here's a stat that surprised me. 76% of 18 to 30 year old American women watch porn once a month. One expert described it as the pornification of mass media. You see, now it's not something for many that's considered forbidden. There's no shame about it. You see it joked about on sitcoms and you see movies like Fifty Shades of Grey bringing it to a larger mainstream audience. And if you engage in these things, and let me just say, if you are engaging and watching porn, this is not gonna end well for you. And you are specifically doing something Jesus has told you not to do. And let me explain why. Pornography is creating a desire in you that cannot be satisfied properly in any way because it's creating an unnatural desire. It's like you have an out of control fire and you're trying to put it out with gasoline. It's just gonna get worse and worse. And the Bible says, can a man take fire into his lap and not be burned? And the answer, of course, is no. I mean, take the story of David and Bathsheba. Now you all know that David was uh, not leading his troops into battle as he usually would be. But he was taking a little time off. And there's nothing wrong with taking a vacation. But there's never a vacation from the spiritual battle. Right? The devil doesn't take a day off from it and you can't either. You have to keep your armor on at all times. What does that mean? It means you keep your guard up and be aware that the enemy can hit you at any time. So David was kicking back on his rooftop veranda and he sees a beautiful woman ironically named Bathsheba taking a bath. And she was a really beautiful woman. And David saw her. Now there's no way, I suppose, he could have stopped from seeing her the first time. Boom, there she was. 
So he needed to immediately go take a lot of cold showers and pray and get away from that situation, but instead he kept looking. See, the idea is you look and you look and you look, but then he took it to the next level and he gave a command, bring that woman up to my uh, palace. And, and then he had sex with her and then she got pregnant. And instead of repenting of it, he tried to cover it up and make it look like her husband got her pregnant, but her husband was out at battle serving the king. So David called him back and this guy wouldn't spend the night with his wife. So David effectively had the husband, whose name was Uriah, killed and then he married Bathsheba thinking that he had pulled this thing off and no one would ever know. But the Bible says the thing that he did displeased the Lord and he was exposed and brought shame on his family and uh, hurt his reputation. And then even tragically, he saw that same behavior repeated in the life of his children. If only we would think these things through. You know, I'm just gonna have this little fling you say, I'm gonna have an affair. By the way, I hate the word affair. Sounds like a cruise. Nice. No, just call it what it is. I'm gonna have an adulterous, I don't even wanna call it relationship, but I'm gonna have a, an adulterous fling or uh, with a person. And now, here's what you need to know. Your sin will find you out. And it's gonna catch up with you in some way, shape, or form. We don't think about the destruction it could bring to a marriage and destroy it. We don't think about the implication it has when it affects our children. And then one day our children grow up and they repeat our behavior and they raise their children and they do the same thing and then their kids repeat their behavior. We don't think of that long term. We just think of our own selfish impulses in the moment. It all starts in the mind. So be practical. You know, if a scene comes on in a film that you should not be watching, did you know you can actually get up and leave your seat? But I paid for it. Yeah. So get up and walk out. Better yet, demand a refund. Maybe you should do a little research on a movie before you go watch it. If you're watching something on your TV and this scene comes on you shouldn't be seen, you don't have to go reverse. Did I just see that? Reverse. I'm gonna watch it in slow-mo. No, no, no. <laughs> don't watch it anymore. Turn the television off. Mind you of a story years ago. Our son Christopher was probably around 11. And uh, Jonathan uh, was probably around one. Maybe Christopher was 12 and Jonathan was two. But Jonathan was still in a high chair. And uh, so I'm not sure exactly, but he was very young still. So Christopher's eating cereal and watching cartoons and TV. He's late for school. So my wife Kathy says, Christopher, turn off the TV, go upstairs, make your bed and get ready for school. He just keeps eating cereal, watching the cartoon. She comes back and says, Christopher, did you hear what I said? Turn off the TV, go upstairs, make your bed, and get ready for school. He ignores her again. She says that a third time, Christopher, turn off the television, go upstairs, make your bed, and get ready for school. And she comes back a fourth time, Jonathan climbs out of his high chair, walks over, turns off the TV, and says, go make your bed. He's like this big. <laughs> go make your bed. Christopher amazingly gets up, goes upstairs. It worked, right? So he got the message, sometimes the best thing to do is just turn it off. Now this obviously includes um, conversations with members of the opposite sex. Uh, don't engage in sexually suggestive conversations. This obviously includes texting, which is sometimes called sexting, right? Don't do that. Uh, don't send photographs of yourself 
without clothes to people. Do I have to tell you this stuff? <laughs> people do this. Uh, you know, every now and then you hear about celebrity had her phone hacked and the person has nude photos of her and is threatening to post them. Don't carry nude photos of yourself on your phone. Even better, never take pictures of yourself naked. Don't do it. Yeah, these are very practical suggestions now because you're just headed down a road that's gonna lead you to a miserable end. So, you know, think about these things. Think before you send that text. And then uh, let's remove this from sexual things and just everything. I posted something on Twitter the other day. I said, think before you tweet. Think before you tweet, T-H-I-N-K. Run it through this grid, T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? If it isn't, don't tweet it. So we bring all of these thoughts into the captivity of Jesus Christ. Practical encouragement today on A New Beginning. Pastor Greg Laurie is presenting a message based in Matthew 5 called How to Overcome Lust and Protect Your Mind. Well, Pastor Greg, we're so excited that your new evangelistic documentary film is soon to be released, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. Yes. You know, several weeks ago, you presented a message called What I Would Tell My Younger Self here on A New Beginning. Yeah. If Johnny Cash had had the chance to speak a few words to his younger self, what do you think he might have said? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, Johnny was a very honest guy. He was very reflective. He was very authentic. He never hid his struggles. He never tried to appear to be something who he was not, and that was part of his appeal. I'm sure Johnny, as an older man, would tell Johnny the younger man, don't take amphetamines, because, mm -hmm. you know, he started out, Dave, as a gospel singer, and then he recorded some songs, Hey Porter, and uh, I Walk the Line, and Ring of Fire, and many others were to follow. And and he became very popular, and he was traveling around the country, and someone said, hey, Johnny, take these little white pills. They'll give you the energy you need. Well, those are amphetamines, and those became a lifelong struggle for Johnny Cash. And then he would take also barbiturates. So he'd take amphetamines to get going and barbiturates to get to sleep. Deadly combination. Add some alcohol to that. And there were a lot of troubles and problems in the life of John R. Cash. But the good thing about Johnny is he knew where to turn. He had a deep spiritual faith. As he described it, an unshakable faith. And he would always come back to the Lord and find the forgiveness that he needed. He also had a great friend in Billy Graham. I don't know that people realize how close Billy and Johnny were. They vacationed together. They spent time together. Their wives were very close as well. And Johnny performed at many Billy Graham crusades. So Billy was there to support, pray for, and encourage his friend that had his occasional lapses. And so we're telling that story in a powerful new documentary film that is titled Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. We have interviews with a lot of surprising people, Winona Judd, Marty Stewart, who actually performed with and played with Cash many, many times. We also have interviews with Tim McGraw and Sheryl Crow, 
all who admired Cash. We also talked to Johnny's sister, Joanne, his son, John Carter Cash. So you're going to get some insights into the spiritual life of Johnny you've never seen before. Oh, yeah, there have been other documentary films about Johnny Cash, and rightly so. But this film is different. That's why it's called The Redemption of an American Icon. And it's been done by some real pros, my friends John and Andy Irwin, also known as the Irwin Brothers, who produced and directed Woodlawn, I Can Only Imagine, I Still Believe, uh, American Underdog, uh, the documentary film The Jesus Music, and the soon-to-be-released film Jesus Revolution. This film is going to touch you deeply. And another thing, there's a gospel presentation in the film. So you see what Johnny really believed. And so get your tickets. Bring someone that does not know the Lord and come see this brand new film, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. Dave, tell us how we get those tickets. Yeah, they're going fast, so go to our website right away at harvest.org. We're happy to make tickets available to our Harvest partners and other friends who generously support the work of evangelism through Harvest Ministries. It's a Fathom event, and the dates are coming up soon. You'll find those dates at harvest.org, or call us at 1-800-821-3300. That's a 24-7 phone number, so dial 1-800-821-3300. Well, next time, Pastor Greg uncovers more practical insight from Matthew 5 about how we can stand against the onslaught of temptation that often comes our way. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher Greg Laurie. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Harvest Ministries, follow this show and consider supporting it. Just go to harvest.org. And to find out how to know God personally, go to harvest.org and click on Know God.